It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Hey, good morning. Uh, I heard a story or I came across a story recently. A guy, uh, along with a group of his friends, was out hiking in Colorado. And at uh, some point in the afternoon, he got separated from his uh, fellow friends. And he didn't make it back to the rendezvous point that they'd arranged to meet up at, you know, in case somebody did get detached from the group. And when he didn't make it back, you know, they started to panic, as you do, and they called in the search and rescue team, you know, can you help us find our friend? He went missing, we don't know where he is, could be lost. And uh, so the search and rescue team, you know, for one thing, they started phoning him, like, just to try and get in touch with him. And, you know, by this stage it was dark, so it's like, well, you know, we can maybe help locate him and bring him in. No luck, couldn't get through to him. Next morning, they're all, you know, really, really distraught at this point. About 9.30 in the morning, their friend just comes walking up to the rendezvous point. Hi, morning, how are we? And they're like, uh, oh, yeah, were you lost? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, really lost. I got really lost. Okay, um, you know Search and Rescue were phoning you all night. D- did you have your phone with you? Yeah, yeah, I got my phone. Was it in range? Yeah, yeah, in range. Uh, why didn't you answer? And he's like, uh, I didn't recognize the number. I thought it was like, you know, spam call. Or something. Now, look, that story, I have so many questions about that story. I really do. But here's the thing. What Jesus, when he walked the earth, he had the habit of inserting himself into the timeline of people who were lost And when he did, he would extend to them a very simple two-word invitation. And the invitation was, follow me. And right at the start, I want to just put it to us that this invitation is actually the ticket to a cheat code. If you want to navigate life better, say yes to Jesus' invitation to follow Him. If you want to live with greater purpose, say yes to Jesus' invitation to follow Him. If you want to expand your capacity, say yes to Jesus' invitation to follow Him. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say you don't even need to know where He's leading you, that we can trust Him enough to say yes to His invitation to follow Him. Now, that said, We need to understand, I'll give you two warnings if you're going to say yes. Warning number one is whilst He extends the invitation to us right where we're at, at any point in our lives, that doesn't mean He's going to validate everything in our lives. One of the things we get wrong about unconditional love is it doesn't mean that Jesus is just going to punch or stamp your ticket. No, He's actually going to insert Himself into your life, and He's going to want to change some stuff. So know that. Secondly, following Jesus doesn't mean that life's going to be smooth sailing. There'll be opportunities, absolutely, and there'll also be challenges. So just make sure We know that. But we're intentionally launching this series off the back of Easter. See, Easter was very much, and Easter is very much, 
about the invitation from Jesus that says, believe me. Believe I'm the Son of God. Believe I abandoned heaven. Believe I was crucified on a cross. Believe that I rose from the dead three days later. Believe that I've ascended back into heaven. Believe that I am who I said I am, and I did what I said I was going to do. That's very much the, the message, the reminder, the invitation around Easter. And in fact, in church world, we say that when we say yes to that invitation, believe me, we experience what's known as salvation, that, that we actually are restored into a right relationship with God. When we say, yes, Jesus, I believe you. I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. Uh, forgive me of my sins. Jesus says, great. From this moment forward, you are in a right relationship with my heavenly Father. That's called salvation, and that's an event. This is actually a separate invitation. Believe me and follow me are not the same thing. And in fact, this invitation is one that Jesus extended while he was on this earth to person after person. And he extends that same invitation to you and me today. This invitation is about transformation. This invitation is the invitation to a a process, not an event. This invitation is an invitation to a lifelong commitment to following Jesus. And here's one thing that's critical to understand. These two things, believe me and follow me, salvation and transformation, they're not automatically coupled. You can be a believer and not be a follower. Both of these invitations need to be answered separately. I recommend saying yes to both. (laughs) I'm just saying that saying yes to Jesus, I believe who you say you are, doesn't inherently mean that you're following him. You ever been past maybe like a restaurant or a cafe and there's a big sign under new management? That doesn't work for me. Because I don't want to know that you're under new management. The fact that you're under new management is not enough to lure me in to your establishment. I want to know that you're under new and better management. I want to know it's new and improved management. And, and, and here's a clue. One of the reasons that some people don't say yes to following Jesus is they like the current management structure. Me. I'm the boss of me. I make the decisions around here. And the problem with that, and the sad thing about if someone takes that approach, is that you will miss out on the opportunity to handing control over to new and better management that actually promises to transform you and me into new and better. In fact, such a bonkers invitation, Jesus actually said that that his goal is over the course of our lives saying yes to following him, that he's going to actually increasingly make us and transform us into being more and more like him, which sounds pretty good to me. 
So over the next five weeks, we're going to look at some of the people Jesus specifically invited to follow him, starting today with a guy named Matthew. Now, Matthew ultimately became one of Jesus' closest 12 followers. Matthew ultimately wrote one of the existing biographies of Jesus. It's the first one that you see in uh, the new part of the Bible. But he first enters the pages of history as a Jewish man collecting taxes on behalf of the occupying Roman government. Now, tax collectors were not popular people back then. I mean, they're not popular people now, but back then they were really not popular. And the reason they were really not popular is that as a Jewish person, they were collecting taxes from their fellow Jewish people on behalf of this occupying government that the Jewish people didn't want to be occupied by. So the fact that you were working for the Roman government, you were viewed as a traitor. And then it got worse. Not only would typically the tax collectors would collect the taxes and send them back to Rome, they would add in a little bit of extra for themselves. They would just make stuff up sometimes. Today I'm going to tax you for parking there. Tomorrow I'm not. I'm going to tax you this much. Tomorrow I'm going to change it. And it would just, it just would be chaos. Then there was bribery. You know, wealthy people would bribe the tax collectors if they would sort of turn a blind eye to some of these things. And in fact, to give you an idea of just how poorly tax collectors were looked upon by Jewish people, they essentially were treated like outcasts from Jewish society. They weren't allowed to even enter the Jewish synagogue. They weren't permitted to give any form of legal testimony in a Jewish legal court because they were considered <laughs> not trustworthy, having no credibility. And so Jesus inserts himself into Matthew's life. So let's have a look at this. If you've got your smartphone camera, you can scan this flow code. I'm just going to take a little bit of a look at how Matthew describes his own invitation from Jesus to follow him. And, and again, just understand that the guy writing this, the guy that was depicted in that video, he himself See, not only were Jesus' followers, you know, at the time, the, the ones who were already following him, as you saw, scratching their heads as to why Jesus would choose him. And Jesus says, you know, get used to different. Remember when I chose you. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, Matthew himself would have been baffled because Matthew himself... Again, this is the guy that was banned from the synagogue, and yet a street preacher, a rabbi, invites him to become one of his hand-picked chosen 12. So, so this is the guy who wrote this biography of Jesus, and he inserted this, well, actually very short slice of what happened in his own words. So it's written in third person, but I'm going to read it from Matthew writing. As Jesus was walking along, he saw me sitting at my tax collector's booth. 
Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to me. So I got up and followed him. Later, I invited Jesus and his disciples to my home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and disreputable sinners. Right off the bat, I love this guy. I love his self-awareness. <laughs> he, he's just like, yep, tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. It's quite likely that some of his friends later in history read this for themselves and be like, hey, wait a second. But, but I don't think they probably did because I think there was a level of self-awareness. Yep, yep, yep. We are tax collectors. Yep, we are disreputable sinners. They had their own kind of inner circle because they were outcast by everyone else. So they just like clung together. They mobbed up. And you can go on and read more about what happened next, and it includes the fact that religious people got upset about who Jesus was choosing to spend time with, which by the way, still happens today. But have you ever got so excited about something that you couldn't wait to share it with people in your sphere? Like, you know, you watched a great movie, a great TV series, and you're texting someone, man, you should, you should check this out. You'll love it. You know, went to a great meal at a restaurant or cooked a great recipe at home, and you're like, hey, share the recipe with people that you are in your sphere. Um, I'm kind of known for sharing some funny stuff on socials, or at least stuff that I find funny on socials. And I have a few handpicked. I, I'm very bespoke with uh, who I share things with. Louis and I have a Shih Tzu puppy, and uh, so we're kind of quite known between the two of us to be sharing Shih Tzu funny videos and memes um, that only Porrents of she Zoos would appreciate. Um, with uh, T.W. Murphy, he's my golfing buddy. We share golf fail videos. I did not realize how easy it was to set a golf cart on fire until Tom shared a video with me. And I'm like, wow, that looks really easy. Uh, with Reese McBeast, he, uh, we share gym fail videos. I am telling you, barely a day goes by where Reese and I don't have a, like a moment in our own, wherever we're, we're watching from, observing somebody under a bench press having a near-death experience. It's like, mm. but here's the thing. We share what we love with people that we love. And this is exactly what Matthew's first move was after he said yes to following Jesus. He didn't wait till he got baptized before inviting his friends to meet Jesus. Not that baptism's unimportant, but, it, but it's not a requirement that's going to stop us or prevent us or cause us to have to wait to introduce people in our sphere to Jesus. He didn't wait till he'd read the Old Testament. He didn't wait till he'd written his contribution to the New Testament. The very first thing that evening that, that, that Matthew did was invite his sphere. Matthew didn't have it all together. He hadn't even changed. I mean, he changed location, but he hadn't changed. This was like, this is the same guy. He didn't have it all together, but he wanted to invite his friends who also didn't have it all together to meet someone 
who did have it all together and invited them to follow him on a journey of transformation. So our approach as a church, we simply call it invest and invite. Now, as simple as this kind of reads, uh, you'll have an advantage over me. Like, I'm in on this. I, I'm, I'm committed to investing and inviting into unchurched and de-churched people in my sphere. But you'll have an advantage over me. Well, in fact, you've got two advantages over me. Um, you guys typically are out in the wild working with unchurched and de-churched people every day. If, you know, you've got a job as it, as it happens. Most of you are in that scenario. I spend my investing time primarily with Elevate team leaders and Elevate team members who are already following Jesus, or at least that's what they tell me. Um, the second thing as well is there's this thing in Australian culture, you know this, when you meet people for the first time, one of the first questions that comes up, I don't do it, I don't like it, but it happens, so what do you do for a living? So of course, you know, I get that. Any new setting where there are humans there that, that I've yet to meet and we're meeting for the first time, invariably, the conversation very early on includes the question, so what do you do for a living? And I'm occasionally tempted to make something up that is so wackadoodle that, that just like, we'll, we'll, I just, I'm just curious to see where this journey goes. I'm a pimp, you know? It's like, I wonder, you know, wh wh what's the follow-up? I'm just, so occasionally I flirt with that, but I'm thinking, you know, probably shouldn't. So I answer the question. I say, I lead a church. Now, it would be more socially acceptable, in my experience, if I said I was a pimp. Because to a person, when I say I lead a church, it's a conversation stopper. Like, like I, get the, I get the impression that the person who now regrets, regrets asking the question, defenses have gone up because they think I'm on, on some sort of eternal pyramid scheme that I'm going to kind of want to sell them some timeshare options in. So most of my neighbors avoid me. Uh, some of them don't avoid me, but they avoid asking anything about my role and our church. And, you know, I'm a big boy. It's all right. Uh, so I'm still, I'm, I'm in this. This is me. I'm still investing in them. I'll try to help them when there's an opportunity. I'll offer to, you know, serve them in some way that I can. And I'm still praying for them, so stay tuned. But just understand that, like, I sort of envy you guys that you're out in the wild with unchurched and de-churched people. And so this idea of invest and invite, we've got several environments that we encourage you, us, people, as a church, to invite people to. The, the most obvious one is called a live experience. We don't call it a service because I don't understand why people call it a service. Like, why is it called a service? So we call it a live experience. Anyway, it's all right. 
I don't have 50 bucks riding on it and call it whatever you want. The point being that if you're in the Perth metro area and people in your sphere are in the Perth metro area, that's kind of the most obvious place like this, what we're doing this morning. Probably the most obvious place, you know, last weekend was Easter and we had a, a, a swell of first-time guests, some of whom you guys had invested and invited. Brilliant, well done. Christmas kind of looks a bit like that as well around a lot of churches. But that's traditionally been the most obvious one in most churches. And it still is important. The great thing is, though, it's not the only invite-friendly environment that we have on tap these days. In fact, here's three just really quickly. Number one, our online experience. Uh, we encourage people, if this is what you want to be doing, you know, you, 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 5 p.m. Sundays we have this happening. 10 a.m. if you're here, then that's not an option for you. But we can have, you can actually host a watch party. Now, like last uh, Christmas, one of our teams shared with me, couldn't wait to share with me, that, that they'd intentionally gathered their extended family together and gathered in their parents' uh, living room, had a, a watch party for Christmas from our Elevate Online experience, and then segued into dinner and kind of intentionally led the conversation around the, the dinner table, around what we'd taught about in our online experience. And, and and I love that because here's the thing. The objection could be, well, it's not the same as in person. And I'm like, exactly. It's not. And it's not designed to be. And in fact, some of your friends, they are not ready to set foot in the doors of a physical church building. They think they're going to get struck by lightning or judged or asked to, to give you know stupendous amounts of money. Yet in the obscurity of your living room where they can see us but we can't see them it's a it's a much safer space and so it's an environment that is very 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 invite friendly and you can dial up the the lure with the offer of free food and babysitting maybe by your teenager in fact, let me, let me, I share this occasionally because it's like, it's wild and crazy. There's a church in, based just outside of Las Vegas called Central Christian Church. And uh, they've been broadcasting their, their services into like a, a more of an online thing as well for, for quite a number of years. And several years ago, they heard about a group of people in Newcastle, New South Wales, who had started in a living room, gathering their friends together and watching the telecast of Central Christian Church's Sunday service. And then they outgrew their living room and then they started hiring a community hall and projecting. And this is the whole thing, the worship, the teaching, the whole thing. They're just looking at a screen, worshiping, watching teaching. Eventually that group grew to over 100 people and the headquartered church, Central Christian Church, they actually sent one of their pastors and their families in a full-time paid capacity to migrate to Newcastle, New South Wales, to lead what was now a campus, a location of their church in Las Vegas. They'd never met anybody. 
it, it, it was organic. But like, this is what I'm saying. It's 2023. I love to hear that. We have Elevate groups. See, th- by the way, these three at the bottom, whilst their live experience is kind of like a front door invitation, not everyone's ready for that. These are like, more like side door invitations. Like, I can sneak you in the side door. Come with me. I know a guy. Our Elevate groups can be that as well. And then there's this one, which is called a social mashup. Now, I've used the term social mashup. Some churches, and what that, sorry, let me, let me define terms. This is this idea, and Rob Mason taught about this a couple of weeks ago about Jesus breaking bread. This idea that you and I can gather a few of our church friends, not the weirdos, like the normal ones, and, and then invite some unchurched and de-churched people and then just hang out together, a barbecue, a dinner, a, some, a picnic, or something, and it'd be this social mashup. It's not a new idea. In fact, it comes from this slice of history that we just looked at. Some churches actually call this hosting a Matthew party. Then they explain what that means. Like, host a Matthew party. Don't just hang out with church people. Fold in some unchurched people and then just let God do what God does best. Now, it might kind of sound at face value a bit weird that we're launching a five-week series about following Jesus by talking about how we can be effective in encouraging other people to follow Jesus. Like, hang on a second. Shouldn't this be week five? Like, let's spend four weeks getting it together, dialing it in. Uh, We're going to spend the next four weeks on that. (laughs) But I'm teeing off with Matthew's example. That very evening, he shared what he came to love with those that he loved. And, and, and trusted that Jesus was going to meet them where they were at, just like he'd met Matthew where he was at. Now, when I see people inviting, investing and inviting, uh, it's actually a sign that they're already growing. Like, oh, I need to grow first, and then I can talk to people about Jesus. But it's actually a sign that you're already growing, that, that you love and care for the people in your sphere so much that you've been praying for them as a priority, not just praying for yourself. And, and, and then it also has a catalytic effect, because some of your friends are going to ask you questions that you don't know the answers to. Now, you may never know the answers to. Some questions we don't have answers to. But sometimes it's like, huh, good question. You got me stumped. Tell you what, how about you and I poke around that question? Let's go on a little journey of discovery together. So it's a both and. It's a prioritizing us following Jesus and and lifestyle commitment to sharing what we love with those that we love. I want to finish with this. You'll love this. There's a guy named Samuel Shoemaker. U.S. uh, was a a minister. Um, He, some of his uh, philosophies became, 
were used to ultimately form the 12 steps around Alcoholics Anonymous and now other recovery type uh, programs. And, and, and he wrote this piece. I don't think it's a poem, but like, what do you want to call it? I'll just say a piece. He wrote this piece. I want to read you an excerpt of this piece. It's called I Stand at the Door. Now, I'm going to read you an excerpt, which probably covers, it's kind of long. I'll throw it up, not just yet. I'll throw it up on the screen as I read it. Uh, for you to follow along, but I would encourage you, like, just ask the internet where to find this. Samuel Shoemaker, I stand at the door. I'm going to cover off about 60%. I think you'll get the idea, but it's something that I would, I, I would keep this within arm's reach for yourselves. So this, now this is written in the 1800s. I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which men, obviously people, walk when they find God. There's no use my going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside and they, as much as I, crave to know where the door is. Men die outside the door as starving beggars die on cold nights in cruel cities in the dead of winter. Die for want of what's within their grasp. They live on the other side of it, live because they have not found it. Nothing else matters compared to helping them find it and open it and walk in and find him. So I stand by the door. Now, I admire the people who go way in, but I wish they would not forget how it was before they got in. Then they'd be able to help the people who have not yet even found the door or the people who want to run away again from God. You can go in too deeply and stay in too long and forget the people outside the door. As for me, I shall take my old accustomed place, near enough to God to hear him and know he is there, but not so far from men as to not hear them and remember they are there too. Where? Outside the door. Thousands of them. Millions of them. But more important for me, one of them. Two of them. Ten of them whose hands I am intended to put on the latch. So I shall stand by the door and wait for those who seek it. No pun intended, but this is super sobering, right? And it's an invitation for us, near enough to God to be able to hear Him and know He's there, and near enough to people to not forget that they are there also and that we can be used by God to help them find the door and walk through it. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live and on demand immediately after.
and to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.